Ever since he tried Rough Greens for the first time, my dog Uno is a completely different dog. And I hear the same story from person after person who has tried it. And it's not dog food. It's something you take just a little measuring uh, spoon and you just put it and mix it in with the food, put it on top. And the dogs love it, love it. And it is full of probiotics and minerals and vitamins, all of the stuff that your dog needs, all the stuff that you need. It's not in, especially kibble food. My dog was easy. First time he tried it, he loved it. Uh, however, some dogs don't love it. The uh, inventor or the scientist behind Rough Greens doesn't want that to stop you from giving it a try. So he's going to give you the first bag for free so you can try it out with your dog. Make sure that they love it. All you have to do is pay for shipping. Uh, and once you pay for shipping, they'll ship the bag to you for free. They, I just asked them how people who have put this on the dog food for a couple of months, maybe three months, how many of them cancel afterwards? And he's like, when the dog dies. I mean, it does make a difference and you will see it. Just try it. There's an amazing thing happening with our churches all over the country and really all over the world. In Canada, there was a pastor named James Coates. He was preaching. He was supposed to only have 15% of the congregation, but he said, I, I can't. I'd be violating my oath to serve and preach to anybody who wanted to listen. So I'm going to preach on Sunday. Well, people came, he was ticketed. The next Sunday, they came back, they arrested him. He's in a maximum security prison for preaching. And not crazy stuff, just preaching. Maximum security prison, no bail, and solitary confinement. What are our governments so afraid of? What is really going on? We talked to his attorney in 60 seconds. So, if you live anywhere within a day's drive of where I live, you've probably been living like you were in a Siberian gulag in the past week, you know. We have power, sometimes you have drinking water, sometimes you don't. Do we have food? Here's a real question. How would you have been fixed for eating if this would have happened to you? Even if you had to cook over the fire you built in the middle of your living room, were you eating well? We, we were. We had Omaha steaks, breakfast, lunch, dinner, open the freezer. Or in our case, we took all the stuff in the freezer and we put it out in the snow. You could grab a steak and uh, Uno uh, found some of the uh, sausages that were sent from. And I'm really anyway. Um, Omaha steaks. They're shipping now. Don't get stuck with the, without really great food in the house. They have an unbelievable assortment of steak and chicken, fish, side dishes, desserts, something for everybody. 
You want a great deal? Look for their Butcher's Bestseller Package, full of burgers, pork chops, sausages, desserts, and and so much more from Omaha Steaks. Type in Beck in the search bar for this special offer and order the Butcher's Bestseller Pack today. You'll save over 50%, plus you'll get four free chicken breasts and four free burgers. That's Omaha Steaks, keyword Beck. James Kitchen now joins us. He is a lawyer with Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, something that is relatively new. It's about 10 years old, and it's a voice for freedom in the courtrooms of Canada. Uh, he is here to talk to us about uh, Pastor James Coates, who is now, is he still in maximum security? He is, yeah. He's in the remand center in Edmonton. And who goes to that prison usually? Well, people who are awaiting their trial, right, which is, which is what he's doing right now, currently. Um, that's, why, that's why we refer to it as a remand center. So, um, you know, there's a, I think there's a wide mix. Uh, certainly his, his cellmate um, was, was coming off of uh, some, sort of, some sort of drug. I think it may have been meth um, for the first day or two that he was in the cell with Coates. So uh, I can imagine there's, there's a wide range of, uh, of, of guys in there. And was he in uh, solitary confinement for a while? Well, I don't know if I'd quite call it that. I mean, what was going on is that he wasn't allowed to have any visitors, so he couldn't see his wife. He, he was only let out for 40 minutes a day, um, and he wasn't allowed to have any you know, normal social interaction with anybody except, of course, his cellmate. The reason for that is, is, is of course, the, the 14-day COVID uh, you know, isolation restrictions uh-huh. that they have prisoners coming in so that's so that's not like normally in the prison you are able to receive some visitors and you have some you have some time out with in a common area with some with some other prisoners he's not getting that because of the covid restrictions not because of any other reason um so i I mean solitary confinement probably isn't quite the word but it's certainly it's certainly taxing to only get those 40 minutes out and not be able to to see to have any visitors so what is happening why was he arrested tell us the story sure so um his church is is probably one of the few um, that not only believes they should all meet together uh, at the same time on a, on a morning, um, but but are but are going to are going to do it even even when the government says not to because you know they uh, they first of all I mean they they don't they don't believe in the science behind it they don't they don't think it's a justified violation of their rights because they don't think there's scientific evidence to back it up but but. Um, you know, it's also a violation of the religious beliefs, right? Because if they, if they, they, they follow Scripture, and Scripture says we are all to meet, and meet in person, not over Zoom, so that we can, you know, pray together, sing together, do baptism together, have the Lord's Supper together, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So his church meets at its, at its full normal capacity, and he's the head pastor. He presides over that, over that service most Sundays. So because he was at that capacity and not at 15%, which is what it's supposed to be here in Alberta, uh, he did that for several months, and uh, eventually he was uh, he was arrested and, and released on on uh, on a Sunday after a service. Given an undertaking by the police, he refused to sign that undertaking, so he refused to agree to it. So there was no real undertaking. However, the next Sunday he held church again, and the police asked him to turn himself in. And when he did, they charged him with breaching that undertaking, and that led immediately to a bail hearing. Now they also charged him with 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 breaching public health measures, but that was kind of that was kind of the key. Uh, charge there because that's the only one that's criminal, and so that led to a bail hearing. At the bail hearing, he was released, uh, but he was released with a condition, 
And the condition was that he stopped breaching the public health orders, which he couldn't do, of course, because right. that would mean now church would have to be at 15%. So because he wouldn't agree to the condition, he had to be held in jail. Now, are they doing this to business people? Well, they haven't put any business people in jail. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of experience with this snowboard, and I can tell you there's, there's a lot of tickets. Um, there's a lot of attempts by the local health authority to close down the businesses. Um, there's been some court applications and some court orders, but they haven't, they haven't um, actually arrested and, and tried to throw any business owners in jail yet. So you would think that business owners don't have the standing that a church would have. Uh, I mean, I, I'm trying to remember what your, your Bill of Rights is called up in Canada. It's not as strong as ours, but ours is worthless right now. Uh, but you have protection for speech and for religion, right? We do, yes. It's called the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and it's the portion of our Constitution where our civil liberties are protected. And uh, Section 2, uh, 2A protects freedom of religion, and 2B expects, uh, protects freedom of expression, as you said. 2C protects freedom of peaceful assembly, which is, of course, also being exercised on a Sunday morning by this church. Um, yes, we, you know, we, yeah, similarly to you, we have these protections. They're not, they're not worth much unless the, unless the court has a will to enforce them, unless the government has any sort of will to respect them. They're not worth much, unfortunately. So that's that's the situation we face. And yes, the, the the pastor would have more rights than a business owner. So why was he singled out, do you think? That's a good question. I hmm. you know, he's been he's been doing this for a long time. It's been three months. Um that he he has been um you know, just saying, look, I, I, I serve Jesus, not the government, and my church is going to continue to do church as we, as we see uh, is best for our people, is the most loving thing that we can do for our people. And is it, actually be here. has there been extreme breakouts among his flock? No, there hasn't, or? Been, there hasn't been any. There hasn't been any. I, I, I can only say that perhaps the government is, is, after three months of him doing this, has, has kind of just, you know, they said enough's enough. We've got we to gotta, we gotta do something about this. But, but but wait, there, there hasn't been any outbreak of COVID in his congregation. And while he was being arrested, aren't the numbers going dramatically in the opposite direction? I mean, shouldn't they be easing up on these restrictions? Because the numbers were, were going way down, were they not? Well, that, I mean, that's, that's the elephant in the room. Are the restrictions about politics or are they about safety and health and medicine and science and facts, Right. So, I mean, you know, this is a church of 400 members. They've had no outbreaks of COVID. Nobody has died of COVID, uh, but they have, they have had somebody die to the lockdown measures. They had somebody die uh, prematurely because he couldn't get his cancer treatment. So, um, yeah, no, this isn't, you know, this isn't, this isn't ultimately, in my opinion, about science, facts, medicine, evidence, safety. It's not about anything. It's about politics, right? So, because if we did, if we did actually just care about, about, about trying to, uh, keep people safe or public health or what have you, then if you had a church that was open full on for three months and had no outbreaks and no issues, uh, you'd leave them alone. Yeah, they're obvi- obviously, it's working. Obviously, obviously, the government is wrong about, about their restrictions on churches. Obviously, it's working, and, and obviously, they're fine. And maybe, maybe we should actually go worry about the nursing homes where the problem really is. Right? So, that, that, would, that would be a reasonable approach, but that's not how politics works. So if it's politics, do you have faith that the court is not tangled in politics here in america it is well i mean where is it not right i mean of course of course my faith is 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 not it's not solid 
Um, you know, I certainly hope and look to the courts for them to, to them to think independently, for them to fulfill their role to be a, um, you know, an effective check on government power, an effective balance on that, to, to be a sober second thought and to not merely accept everything the government says, but to actually critically analyze whether or not it's true. I, I would hope for that. But so far in Canada, I've seen very few instances of that happening. Most of what I've seen is the courts simply rubber stamping uh, government, government measures. So it's terrifying. I, yeah, it is. So um, what what can people do to help? Well, first of all, did they the church, I assume, was going again yesterday. He was still in prison. Uh, They had another pastor. And was he arrested or fined? He wasn't. Interestingly enough, for only the second time in three months, uh, the public health inspectors did not show up. Um, and the local law enforcement uh, were in the area, but didn't even enter the parking lot. That was interesting and surprising. The church was certainly prepared for, for you know, uh, the hammer to come down. And so it's, it's hard to know what they're thinking, but it, but it, 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 it says volumes that, uh, that nobody showed up. Uh, the, the church had a, had a large number of people there. In fact, um, they, they, had, they had to turn people away uh, just, just, to, just to be in accordance with their normal 100% fire code for actual safety. Uh, they had to turn some people away who kind of stood around outside and, with, and listened to an outdoor speaker to the service because they didn't want to leave. They were so happy to be there. So uh, <laughs> it was interesting. So what can people do to help? Well, you know, I think the most important thing people can do is to stop self-censoring. Now, obviously, some people agree with this. They agree with the lockdowns. But for the, for the growing number of people who don't, it's important on, on an individual level that each one of them stand up and be counted and speak out. And, and, and if they, if they agree, disagree with it, to say so, right? And, and, and to take some action, peaceful action, of course, but, 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 but actually say, no, this is wrong, and I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to let my politicians know, and I'm going to start talking to people I know, and we're going to start, you know, uh, living life and 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 uh, not believe in this stuff anymore, and we're and we're going to say so. That's the biggest thing, right? It's, we got a lot of people who disagree with it quietly; they don't say anything, and then there's just a few people like Pastor James Coates, and then the government tries to single them out and take them out. But if all the people who disagreed and opposed it stood up and said, "We're done with this. We're 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 tired of being governed and policed in this way. We're tired of our rights being taken away," then this thing would start to crumble. Well, I will tell you, um, that would be the easiest thing. I know that Pastor Coates' wife said over the weekend that uh, don't stand by the 15% capacity limit. She said, uh, you know, even though my husband is in prison for it, the best thing you can do is open your churches and and stand up because they can't arrest all of us. That's right. I mean, she's she's not wrong. I mean, that's just how it works, right? It's, 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 it's still a democracy that we live in. Right. It's it's obviously it's starting to fall apart, but we're not it's not it's not it's not a totalitarian dystopian nightmare yet. We're on our way there, but it's not there yet. There's there's still it could still be turned around if enough people said, no, we don't want it to go there. So we're not we're not going to let it go there. We're not going to put up with this. Right. Uh, Yeah, she's she's right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, James Kitchen, uh, lawyer for the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. We'll follow this story of Pastor James Coates, and uh, please keep us updated. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. You bet. You know, they say uh, it isn't the times you fail that you regret so much as the times that you didn't try. Well, tell that to anybody who tried to, you know, buy a timeshare and succeeded. 
you know, it's you, you kind of wish you failed right there. Um, if you're one of those people, I'm guessing you've had quite the frustrating time trying to book the timeshare that you wanted, that you were promised ever since you got it. I bet that goes double for when you have COVID. I mean, the horror stories that I have heard, it just awful, just awful. Sure, you could continue to uh, drink the pain away, but that doesn't usually work. May I suggest timeshare termination team? They're the solution. They'll get you out of your timeshare 100% guaranteed or your money back. Time to end the madness. Timeshare termination team. Get the process started. Don't keep putting it off. Get the timeshare nightmare behind you. 20% off when you terminate your timeshare if you tell them that I sent you. So call them at 888-GET-YOU-OUT, 888-438-8688, or visit them online at timeshareterminationteam.com. Peace of mind, 100% money-back guarantee, timeshareterminationteam.com. 10 seconds, station ID. What is happening? And what, how frightening is it that we're starting to have conversations from people like that that are are saying we're not in a totalitarian nation yet. It was, it was insane to even say that five years ago, eight years ago. When I said it, everybody, that's crazy. Now we're hearing we're not there yet. There's still time before the door closes. But do you see people actually forming and saying, I'm opening up my church. I don't care. Arrest us all. There's some of that, but it's not as Few common as you like. I will say, you know, a lot of churches are back in, you know, in session. Many of them are. I, I don't think in the United States you have any right to regulate even make it 98 percent capacity nope. let alone 15 nope now canada's rules are different and i you know um, <laughs> there's a reason why I'd, I'd rather live in the united states than canada and this is one of those reasons uh, but that is there's this you know i have a religious liberty attorney on with me this week on students america and i talked to him right as the pandemic started and he said there is very limited um, ability for the the U.S. government to and and states to be able to restrict in-person services in a pandemic. There is some precedent for it, but it is basically the shortest time possible. Mm-hmm. Like the first thing you need to do before schools, even before anything, open the churches. Open the churches. I mean, I, only in the most extreme circumstances for the shortest term possible is it. And even if you're arguable. opening the liquor, liquor stores and the you know marijuana stores, and you're telling the churches yeah. you don't have a leg to stand on. No, you're not in the United States. You don't. Yeah. Well, you do. He was. I mean, he's very. He's right. That only means something if there's a will to enforce it. Yes. You know, and our Bill of Rights has been a joke for. At least a couple of decades. And I do think as as time goes on, we will see a lot of these cases brought up during the pandemic that run through the courts and, and get overturned, that these policies were not OK to have in place. Of course, obviously, at that point, the pandemic is likely over and it's no longer a consideration, but at least it may set a precedent for the future. 
because these these cases have to go through. You have to have an ability for churches to meet, even if it's dangerous. Like the the fundamental part of of this society when it comes to faith is the government is out of your way when it when you, I mean you can do all sorts of things. Things are the cases that have gone through. I mean you could do drugs. Right, mm-hmm. right. Like, like the Supreme Court is like, yes, you could do illegal drugs if it's part of your religion. It's that. I mean, they've gone that far. So, the idea that you can open up during a pandemic—it's not really. There's no real argument. It's similar to what you know uh, FDR did, right? Like he would pass all these things, and everyone would be like, "That can't possibly be constitutional." And then later on, years later, they'd say, "Yeah, you were right. It was not constitutional." But at that point, the damage had been the done. damage had been done. And that's what's going to happen here. Hopefully, at least some of the stuff will get blocked out for the future. But that this is this is like there's this thing that the government is doing now. It's with vaccinations. It's with masks. This is sort of absolutism when it comes to covid, like basically do not take any risks under any circumstances. That's the best thing you can do. And of course, what does that mean? People, what do, what do people do? They say, well, I'm, not, I'm just going to do it. If you're, if you're going to be that ridiculous, screw you. I'm just going to do it. I'm willing to do things that are. Um, that that can help, but I'm not going to turn my life off for for this. And it hurts. It has made the situation markedly worse because people now are gathering in tiny apartments in New York City instead of gather going out to parks mm-hmm. because the government was dumb enough to say, "Hey, I mean, now it's cold." But even back when it was warm, no, you can't go out. You can't greet. You can't gather in parks. You can't see your friends. Don't see any of your relatives. If you're going to do it, you can't do it. If you, there's no, there's no. Don't don't have Christmas dinner. Don't have Thanksgiving dinner. Not, hey, you know what, try to improve your ventilation or maybe uh, do it outside if you're in a warm environment like, you know, here's one. Get a vaccine or if you've already had it and you've recovered, just go back and live your life. That's Israel, right? Yeah. Um, Israel is saying, why are they so far ahead? They're saying to their population, as we mentioned, hey, get the vaccine (laughs) as soon as you're past this time period, then go back to life and don't worry about it. Now, we can all talk about how they're going to monitor that and everything. There are there are issues to discuss there, surely. But even if you just said to people, look, we'll do it on an honor system. If you got a vaccine, go out and do what you want. That would most people are not going to try to fake out the government and say I no, got vaccinated when I did. Especially most people will just go out and do it, right? Especially if the government didn't seem so totalitarian. Yep. yep. I mean, once they say you must do it, that pushes, especially in America, that used to at least push people's buttons, and they're like, Whoa. no, 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 no. You're Don't not telling me, me what to do. It's true. Yeah. The more they push this, the more extreme freedom and freedom lovers seem this is the glenn Beck program so all good things must come to an end and this includes your car warranty sadly and the time between the day of your car's warranty ending and the check engine light comes on those are scary days probably very few scary days car repairs are expensive it's almost as if it's a racket Anyway, your car gives out. The next thing you know, you're at the mechanic shop staring at some little computer chip that probably costs 50 cents to make, but will cost you about five grand. Don't worry about it. Have the peace of mind that comes with Car Shield. You're going to get the best customer service for a covered car imaginable. You'll also uh, have uh, free towing of your car to the shop. And the next time you're behind the wheel, Car Shield has your back. 
because you're going to need a car as you are have your car in the shop. They provide that as well. Find out today why Car Shield cars go farther. It's 800-665-2157. Mention the promo code BECK. Save 10% at carshield.com. Get covered. Take the worry away. carshield.com. Look at the state our media is in right now. We need places like the Blaze more than ever. Go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Support the Blaze. Support conservative media. Use the promo code Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I want to go to Minnesota and Philip. Hello, Philip. You're on the Glenn Beck Program. Philip, are you there? All right, let me go to Paul in West Virginia. Hello, Paul. Hey, Glenn. This is Paul in West Virginia again. How are you? Very good, sir. Hey, uh, what we got going on today is um, I got got an email from Senator Charles Trump, our state senator, and uh, there's some legislation uh, coming up for uh, review uh, this week, uh, which pertains to uh, tax, property taxes and churches. <laughs> and I was hoping to get uh, people in West Virginia excited to call their delegates and state senators uh, to uh, get this push forward. Uh, what it is is in Hampshire County and in Putnam County right now, uh, the tax assessors of those counties are... Uh, threatening to pull the tax-exempt status from churches because they are going to allow uh, other nonprofit entities to use their building. And in accordance with the code, that would change the use of the building status. So, like, for instance, in Hampshire County, they wanted to allow a uh, Christian school, which doesn't have a place to meet right now and is just getting started to meet in their building. And so right. the tax assessor said, if you allow that Christian school, which is separate from the church, it's, a tax, it's own tax-exempt organization, to meet in your building, that will change the use of your building, and you wow. will come under uh, property taxes <laughs> under a commercial rate, which would be about like $33,000 or something a year, and, and you'll lose your tax-exempt status because of that. In Putnam County, that's already happened. A uh, church in Putnam County was allowing uh, nonprofit organizations to utilize a large camp that they have down there uh, for, like, you know, disabled veterans and, and uh, disabled children, things like that. And they were charging a small fee because, well, the camp doesn't run itself. They don't have the wherewithal to pay for the upkeep of that whole camp. So they were charging a small fee just to cover costs. And they thought, well, that's okay because both entities are nonprofit tax exempt. But right. the tax assessor there said the same thing: nope, changes the use of your property. And so they've been fighting for about three years now in our courts, trying to get it fixed and trying to get it understood. And so we we called our state legislatures, and this so happens that Mr. Trump happens to be a lawyer, and we sent him the information. He looked at it, said. No, they have standing. Unless we change the law, then it's not going to work. So right now they're in the process of submitting legislation to change that article uh, well, in our law. I hope uh, that people in West Virginia are paying attention uh, to this. They, they, this is going to be happening more and more often. And here's the thing that is going to sound really, really harsh, 
first, you're doing the right thing of going in and fighting it uh, and fighting it on the state level. All of our states, if you believe in the Bill of Rights, you need to get on the phone with your state senators, your state uh, House members, your governor, your attorney generals, and you need to say, we, we must shore this up. We want our state to be a sanctuary state for the Bill of Rights. That we, if the federal government decides to uh, decimate the Bill of Rights, we will not go along with it. Our churches have status. People have the right to free speech and free assembly. They have a right to protect themselves and to have guns. And we're not going to violate those things. That's the first thing you need to do. And Paul has uh, done that. And uh, the, the next thing you have to do uh, is, if you're a church realize that your tax-exempt status has been a nice luxury. But if you start making your decisions based on tax-exempt status, you are going to fall into heresy so fast. You will become part of the problem. So fight it, because you want your tax-exempt status, and you deserve it. And because the idea has always been that our local churches... Provide services. For instance, first time I went to an AA meeting, it was in the basement of a church. Churches do those things. They let these public entity or these uh, private charities come in and use their building when they need something, because that's where we should be looking for our services. That's where we should be looking for our help is in our local community away from government. But I, I warn you, this is going to come to a place and our churches are going to be separated quickly. If you don't play by the government's rules, you'll lose your tax exempt status. They make no mistake. They have their eye on the right. They have their eye on religious people. I just read something this weekend that lumps religious people in with the terrorist you know, of, of the uh, January 6th, that it's these religious people that get all wound up. <laughs> really? Is that what it is? Is that what it is? Meanwhile, you are going to see um, very powerful organizations. Next hour, I'm going to go into some stuff that's happening in organizations that'll curl your hair. They are going around the constitution and they are going to be part of the oppressors how dare you say that boy those are fighting words glenn beck is saying that they're their oppressors he's stirring his audience up really because i'm just using the same language that critical race theory is using the oppressed and oppressors and critical race theory teaches that the only way to solve racism is to punish racism with reverse racism. So I guess you're admitting that you're becoming the oppressor. You have corporations that are working with this. And let me give you an extreme example. 
the religious minorities that are being detained in Chinese concentration camps are allegedly being violently gang raped. One woman who has escaped has said that the policewoman uh, told her that she had been in, uh, assigned to investigate reports of rapes and torture taking place at the facility and how the male guards would brag about how they were raped and tortured. The first encounter with new detainees was approximately 100 men and women who were chained and shackled at their hands and feet. She said she witnessed horrible tragedies. Women crying loudly. Now, this is a woman who got out of China and was part of the prison system. She was there. She said, I didn't commit any of these crimes. She said, I, I saw this. Uh, and uh, later she was arrested. She was then put in prison and into this prison. And she said she endured nightmares. She said guards forced her onto a table where they inserted a stun baton inside of her and constantly shocked her until she blacked out. She said there was a couple of weeks that went by after that and she was gang raped by several men. Those experiences happened several times. She said they were sadistic and they caused pain and damage to my body by beating and smacking my head on the wall. It was just their daily routine of punishing us. Now, first of all, a couple of things. One. Didn't we all say never again? We are following exactly the same pattern that we did in the 1930s. This was happening, and what did people say? It's too far away. I can't do anything about it. Other people said, well, we only have a few words of some people that escaped, and they're probably anti-German or anti-Nazi. These guys are probably anti-communist or anti-China. I mean, you know, and probably a lot of them deserve it because, I mean, China said for a long time, these guys are terrorists. We're saying the same thing the people said in America in the 1930s. Our government is saying the same thing as they said in the 1930s about Germany. Now, you don't understand. It's cultural. It's different over there. These people have done some things that China just doesn't like. It was exactly the same scenario. And what's worse did you read over the weekend that IBM is getting rid of their medical uh, computer system? Remember I told you years ago that uh, IBM was working on a, a computer system in New York that was taking all of the facts and putting it in uh, to a computer system where it would be like, you know, Big Blue, the, the chess playing game that it was trying to use ai and machine learning to do diagnostics and it was starting to get really really good do you remember this Stu? and i told you this is four or five years ago that ai will eventually become more reliable than your doctor and you will look at your doctor and go yeah yeah but what does the machine say 
Well, that machine was called Watson. Watson Medical. Watson. I always thought it was like, you know, Dr. Watson from Sherlock Holmes. No, no. It was the guy that ran IBM during the Holocaust. It was the guy who knew what IBM was doing in the concentration camps, sorting so they could pick them up, track them, know exactly where Jews were. Then sorting and making lists for the Nazis. Here's whose house you go to first. Here's how you end the day. Here's how many were killed. Here's how many uh, were on the train. Here's the train schedule. IBM did all of that. It's a little ironic that uh, all of the medical studies that were done on Jews in Germany, that the medical diagnostic system would be, called, would be named after the guy that helped the Nazis do it from IBM. The reason why I bring this story up is because Facebook and Google are in bed with China. They are helping them. Through social media and through algorithms, Americans are helping them do these things. And Americans are saying to themselves, well, if it's not us, it's going to be somebody else. Well, then let it be somebody else. We should be standing up for the people that are being persecuted, the people that are being rounded up. By the way, see if this sounds familiar. Spokesperson for the Communist Party, the publicity department, said that the religious minorities were not being rounded up, but rather claimed that China was only cracking down on heinous and obstinate leaders and backbones of extremist groups. End quote. Oh, good. Hey, by the way, that reminds me, we should talk about uh, Garland, who is uh, going to be uh, our new head of the DOJ, our new attorney general. Uh, he's got a he's got a thing for extremist groups. We'll tell you about that. Welcome back to spring weather. If you're in uh, Dallas, pretty much the snow has melted. It was 70, 75 yesterday. We've got about five minutes here of spring, and then it's going to go into a flaming hot desert, and it might freeze uh, you know, in a week or so, uh, but then it'll be just blazing fires of hell. So whether it's blizzarding or boiling hot, Rectech smart grill technology allows me to control the whole cooking process remotely. I don't have to stand outside in the cold or the heat. I can do it from an app on my phone or device. It's so smart that if the weather changes while cooking, It'll adjust to that and continue providing even more heating for the perfect food every single time. Rectech, built sturdy from stainless steel. It's like a tank. It's sleek. It's beautiful. You're going to love it. But don't take my word for it. A, B, compare them. Right now, you can go online and look at the latest Rectech, R-E-C-T-E-Q.com. It's Rectech.com. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Carlin Borisenko is uh, the psychologist that we've had on several times. She was the one that we first found her after she decided to go to a Trump rally. And she was a liberal. 
And she was like, I, 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 I want to see this for myself. And everybody said, you can't go. They're going to kill you. And she was like, it was perfectly pleasant. She's still alive today. She's still alive yeah. today, despite the pleasantness Shocking. of the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so she's been on several times. Well, she's on a campaign to stop this critical race theory stuff. And she wrote a, uh, a piece on uh, Coca-Cola and what Coca-Cola is now training people to be less white. Now, I've always liked Stu's rule of thumb on how you can tell if something's racist. <laughs> Just switch the subject. Switch the color. Yeah. So to be less uh, Jewish, to be less black, to be less brown. Does it sound good when you say that out loud? If it doesn't, that means you know the initial statement was also racist. <laughs> exactly and right. And it does not sound good to tell yeah. people to be less black yeah. or be less Jewish. That does not sound like a good thing to say No, to it really doesn't. So you probably shouldn't tell them uh, they should be less white either. So we have that whole story coming up for you here in a second. But uh, oh, I'm going to run out of time. I, my wife and I uh, are, we got into watching Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> like a hundred seasons like a hundred seasons and we're like in the 11th season and we've been watching it forever but when you're watching it at a high rate of speed you notice something Mm. uh, about what's happening to the cast and what the storylines are and it is fascinating i'll try to get to that next hour